Amen. Turn around and say hello to someone and be seated. All right. Good crowd today. Amen. Glad to have you out. I'd like to welcome Charles Toro on the broadcast today. God bless you, Charles, as you heal up. Melissa, kids, it's going to be all right. God has his hand on Charles Toro. God's got a plan for him and for all of you as well. We want to send out our love and sympathy the family of Wanda Bowman. That would be the Kemp's, the Bowman's, and others. She has passed into the presence of the Lord. Sorry for your loss. So glad heaven's getting filled up. Heaven's sweeter. Amen. 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 By now she's met my mom. My mom's on the, on the keyboard up there. I don't know, uh, you know if it's Gabriel or whoever saying, uh, Mom Winnegar, uh, play this. Grand entrance. That's what I want. That's what I want. I came into this world, I'm told, I was pretty young, too young to know it, but I came into this world with a squall. Great big, almost nine-pound, bouncing baby boy a lot of years ago, and I haven't stopped since then. And I want to go out of this world, hands raised, praising Jesus. And from now till then, I would like the Lord to have control my heart and life, so we can make a difference. Now, if you're going to try to do it both ways, you might as well forget it. It's not going to work. I don't want you just to give up and go your own way and do like a lot of people and drop out of church. A lot of folks have uh, attempted to live right in the energy and the witness of their own abilities and their own flesh, and that doesn't work, does it? Man, you bump up against things, don't you? And you say, what's going wrong? I'm, I'm trying. I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. No, let go and let God have His way. Let God have His will. We preach it. We believe it. I would like to practice it. I need you to pray for me. Because preachers and preachers' families are probably number one on Satan's hit list. If he can get churches, preachers, their families, leaders to go bad, then he can, he can put a black eye on Christianity and make people say, I ain't nothing to that. Do you know that I don't visit those sites, but I am told there are sites on the internet where they are attacking preachers who have been dead. I'm talking about good preachers. I'm talking about godly preachers who have been dead 20, 30 years. And I'm thinking, when I read... Uh, that there is such a thing. I don't go to those sites, but when I read that there are such things, I say, that must have been one very godly person. That the devil would have his crowd attacking him after 20, 30 years. That's it. We're under attack. And we need to leave behind everything that's ungodly and everything that's worldly and everything that's compromised and everything that's halfway. No more lukewarm Christianity. No more halfway Christianity. Let's be, oh, like he used to say, oh and oh, out and out for Jesus. Amen. Amen and amen. I'm glad that as you exit today, you can pick up a copy of the bulletin. Take it 
like you would a tract and take it to lunch if you're going out to eat. Most of you probably got leftover turkey, but if you're going out to eat, and, uh, and you, I mean, you've had so much turkey, you're going gobble, gobble, right? You know, not me. I, I, eat, I would eat it every day, wouldn't I, sweetie? I would. I really would. But if you're going out to eat, take a bulletin with you and say, hey, this is my bulletin from my church. Got some good stuff in it. Read the scripture on the front. Especially read the back and do what it says. The plan of salvation is on the back of every piece of literature. So I, I hope that you will avail yourself of that. But also pick up a copy of Days of Praise. We've got some on the front here. We've got some on the back. We've got some on the Welcome Center as you leave. This is three months. Uh, December, January, February. You can take one or two copies with you. One for home, one for work, one for school, one for a friend, whatever. And also pick up Acts and Facts. It's all the scientific support for creationism. It's got wonderful things about snowflakes. I, I don't want to bring on the snow, but <sighs> it's not quite cold enough for snow yet. How many of you are ready for that eventuality? Come on. You got your snow shovel or snow plow or snow boots or snow shoes. Or, all right. Could be happening. I don't know when. But it could be happening. And when it does, I want you to know one thing for sure. Here it is. We will not be closed. We will not be closed. If everything else is closed, First Lady Gwendolyn and I will do as we have always done when there's a big snowfall. There have been a few over the years. We will put on our high boots and we will high step it down here. You say, well, you don't have far to go. Yeah, but... But some of you won't even attempt that. You won't even go out your front door. I know you. Been, been around you long enough to know. Some of you will attempt it. Some of you got four-wheelers, and some of you got, you, got the, you got whatever traction's necessary to make the attempt. I don't want you to endanger your life or your family's life. But if you can get here, don't, don't think you're going to be disappointed. I will be standing up here. She will be at one of the instruments. And we will be having church. We're never going to shut it down. Yeah, praise the Lord. It never shuts down. And do you know, the invitation never stops here. Not only do we always have an invitation, it never stops. And so this, we call it the altar. This altar is very long. It extends all the way around the world. Wherever you are, whatever, whatever you're doing, I want you to know that God loves you more than I can tell you. And that Jesus Christ provided salvation which is sufficient for even the lowest and basest sinner uh, among us. And He wants to save you. He wants to change you. He wants to keep you. He wants to satisfy you. Praise the Lord. I said it in the bulletin. If you truly want to know God's perfect will for your life without dictating your own condition and terms, get into the Word of God until the Word of God gets into you. Dr. Raymond Hancock in the bulletin says, Never forget that the will of God for you and for me is progressive. Now the Word of God is absolute, but the way He leads us, He leads us from one experience, one level, one from faith to faith, from grace to grace. He leads us on. He never forgets us. He never leaves us behind. He never kind of loses track of you. Praise God. He knows your name. He knows your number. He knows your address. He knows what you need. And we believe that God 
will keep His promises. My God shall supply all of your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. There is joy, according to Oswald Chambers, joy in knowing the will of God. It is a delight, a superabounding joy to do God's will. Boy, I'm glad we had that in the bulletin today. Take that with you. Somebody is going to want to read that. So share that with them. Share that with them. Get folks to subscribe on our YouTube channel. We're growing. The, numbers, uh, the number of hits and views on Bible Institute is growing too. This most recent one, 1603, that we just did, it's growing now. It's approaching the numbers of the first one, which is amazing. People have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. They want to know how the Word of God, Old and New Testament, applies. i got to tell you, it does. There's nothing in here, nothing in here, that you just say, well, we'll just toss that out. That doesn't apply. Everything about the Word of God is good. And praise God for what He teaches us. It has been said, put this down, faith, faith makes a person a Christian. Faith, that's believing what God says in the Bible. Faith makes a person a Christian. If you have faith in God that He'll save you, receive Christ, ask Jesus in your heart, that makes you Christian. Faith makes a person a Christian. Number two, your life will prove, hopefully, will prove that you are a Christian. Faith makes you a Christian, but your life, hopefully, will prove that you are a Christian. Now, i got two more steps here. The trials and tribulations and difficulties that we go through will confirm that we're a Christian. The trials, the difficulties, all those bad things will confirm. Death, you say, what does that play? The part that death plays is that death will crown us as a Christian. I've come full circle from where I started. Remember I said, came into this world squalling. I want to go out of this world with my hands raised. I want to be praising Jesus, giving Him all the glory. Thanksgiving isn't just something you do on the last Thursday of the month of November each year, but Thanksgiving is what we ought to be living every moment of our life. Living Christianity. Living Jesus. For to me, to live is what? Christ. And to die is what? Gain. Yes, I'm going out of here, hopefully with a shout. I'm going out of here praising the Lord. If you're going to live out your Christianity between birth and death, you know, it's like on your tombstone, they've got the, the date of your birth and the date of your death, and what's in the middle? A dash. I'm talking about the dash in the middle. I'm talking about your dash and my dash. That's what I'm talking about. The dash in the middle. It ought to be expressed by kindness in the home. Somebody today ought to come down to this altar and say, I haven't been very kind at home. I've been talking harsh. I've been talking back. I've been hard. My edge has been hard. I've been harsh. I need, I need the law of kindness, which is a typical of Jesus Christ. We need the law of kindness in our, in our home life. In business, here it is. Someone's going to get convicted. Somebody out there is going to hear this. Here it is. 
If you are a born-again Christian and you are in business and you're not absolutely 100% transparent and honest, then please stop telling people you're a Christian. You heard it here. If you have a reputation for being dishonest, for getting the, the good side of the deal all the time, stop telling people you're a Christian. You're a bad advertisement for Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about being a sucker in business. I'm talking about just being wise and honest in business. You can make an honest profit without taking everybody for everything they're worth. In open society, today and every day, I don't care what happened on the news or what happened to you personally or somebody cut you off in traffic. Anybody have that happen this week? Just pull in. I can't even count the number of times we've been cut off. You know, we do. We smile. We laugh at them most of the time. And um, in society, the way we express Christianity is called courtesy. Courtesy. And if you haven't been courteous, you say, not me. I'm Mr. or Mrs. Road Rage out there. Courtesy. When it comes to our work, if you work for somebody, our Christianity is expressed in hard work, diligence, and faithfulness. Don't just call in because you don't feel like going in. Go in there. Give them, give them their, their dollars worth of work or their $100 or the $1,000 worth of work plus. Give it to them. Give it to them. Be faithful. When it comes to people that you see along the way that are hurting, you give them a helping hand. Don't pity them. Don't pity them. Give them a helping hand. Show some love. Show some, show some compassion. To the weak, it means to be helpful, to be concerned for them, to speak kindly to them, to take some extra time. One of the greatest Christian speakers I have ever seen was a man who came from a rough background, and he spent a whole day going to a, a school, a place of education, and this man, I don't mean anything strange by it, but there was, a, there was a young lady there in that school who was special, special ed. She was special. She was slow. He spent the whole day, obviously accountable in front of everybody else, but fussing on her and showing her a special time and speaking loving words to her and being kind to her, and nobody had ever done that before. But that's what a Christian does. A famous speaker went to a school to show a special day to someone who didn't feel very good about themselves. Toward the wicked, I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. We've got to be a balance of love and compassion to the hurting and the needing. And at the same time, we've got to stand up, stand up for Jesus. We've got to show our trust in those that we have mentored the next generation as they come up. We've got to say, here's the baton. I'm going to entrust you. Here's the torch. I'm going to pass the torch to you. Now carry it. Carry it. We've talked about a five-year, 10-year, 20-year, 50-year, 100-year plan for this church. If Jesus hasn't come back, 
There will be a man standing in this pulpit preaching to a congregation just like this. It won't be any of us. 100 years from now. And that preacher will be preaching from this same Bible, the King James Bible. And that preacher will still be calling this church a Baptist church. An independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptist church. And that preacher will still be preaching the old-time gospel. And will still be drawing the net. Giving an invitation. Praise God. 100 years from now. I've got a 100 year plan if Jesus hasn't come back. And will you pray with me along those lines? I want my children, my grandchildren, my great grandchildren, and God willing, my great great grandchildren 100 years from now to know that Central Baptist Church of Woodbridge, Virginia is still standing for the truth, still loving the lost, and still hating the devil and everything he's for. Toward the the penitent, the broken. Christianity means they are accepted, they are forgiven, they are received, and they're done so as if they had never done wrong. Amen. What kind of fundamentalist are you, preacher, that you would forgive people of heinous sins? Every single one that's been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, we ought to forgive. Christianity is all these things. And most importantly, it is obedience, faith toward God through His Word, believing that what He says is absolutely true. Christians are not sinless, they just sin less. That's true. We confess our sins. Our sins have been placed under the blood in terms of justification. I am justified just as if I'd never sinned. But I sin on a daily basis. I'm sad to have to report. But I am forgiven. And He provides for me everything I need to go on, to get up and go on. And we learn our lessons the hard way. We've got our bruises and we've got our scars to show for. But praise God. He is a loving and forgiving God. And thank God for His people who are truly His people. I'm going to say, in all those areas that I just covered, if we don't express ourselves in that way, if we don't show ourselves to be Christians in that way, how will anybody ever know? And I want to say to you that call yourselves independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptists, if you don't forgive as Jesus forgives, you won't be forgiven either. I have no problem. Just saying it like it is. Now in our scripture today, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that ye present your bodies. That ye present your bodies. I want you to put this down. This passage of scripture speaks of the will of God. And I do not know all of the details God will let us know in time. But I haven't yet gotten all of them from God, so I don't know how to express this any other way. I know that there is a perfect will of God for you specifically. And I know there is that which is not His perfect will. There are those commentators who believe that some of it comes under permissive will because God is sovereign and is all-powerful, and I agree with that. You cannot say, nor can I 
conclude that because I got through this ordeal or I did this thing, that that was just God's will. That doesn't mean that. God may have permitted it. And there may be some consequences for that. God is perfect. I'm not. His will is perfect, but I don't always find myself in His perfect will. So we have to start out by doing like Isaiah. Here am I, Lord. Here am I, Lord. We present ourselves. In the Old Testament, when a sacrifice would be brought to be offered, it was brought and that presentation was the actual delivery, that bringing, the presentation of the, of the sacrifice to be offered. It's the presentation of ourself. We come voluntarily. Now, if you've never been saved, it starts by you opening your heart and saying, Lord Jesus, come in my heart and save me. And then, at the invitation, when I'm down front, you get up from where you are, or we'll be standing and singing, heads will be bowed. You come down, shake my hand, say, I prayed that prayer, I asked Jesus in my heart. We have someone pray with you, and we rejoice with you. But that's the first step. The Bible says, whosoever believeth shall not be ashamed. Do you hear me? I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Paul said. I'm not ashamed. Preacher said, how about you? He said, I'm not ashamed either. Then I tell you what, at the invitation, you come down, shake my hand, say, I've done that. I prayed that prayer. I've been saved. Then the next step is to follow the Lord and believers, scriptural baptism. Baptism is not just the application of water. That word is rantidzane. Rantidzane in the Greek. Baptidzane is something completely different. If you've been sprinkled, you've been rantized. If you have been scripturally immersed under the authority of the local church to whom that authority was given by Jesus Christ, then you have been buried in the likeness of His death. You have been raised in the likeness of His resurrection to walk in newness of life. It is symbolic. It is a picture of burial, covering, immersion, submersion. That's it. Complete, under, showing that you're identifying with Jesus Christ. Showing that you've been saved. Showing that you believed on the one who came and died and was buried and rose from the dead. Showing that you're looking forward to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't know when. We need to be true to the Lord, not ashamed. Peter was ashamed. Peter followed afar off. At least he followed. Peter sank beneath the waves. At least he walked on them first. Heathen people, pagan people are true to false gods, dead gods. That's what Isaiah says. They're just dead wood, silver and gold. They're just objects. Heathen are true to false gods. Christians are false to the true God. When we are ashamed of Jesus Christ, we need to present ourselves. We do so as born-again believers. We do so as obedient followers of Jesus Christ and believers' scriptural baptism. We are, as we identify with the church, the local body, as we serve side by side, connected to others who have been through the same as we have salvation, baptism, and want to serve the Lord. We give ourselves. We present ourselves. We need to bring ourselves. We need to, we need to start. Sometimes I had to do that. Before I'd start a race, I recall, I recall track and field meets Back in the old days. You say, were, were there cars back then? Yes, yes, there were cars. We had feet. 
and we had track shoes sometimes. And we would run, and Randolph, we ran on cinder tracks. And those cinder tracks were ancient. First time I ever ran on an artificial surface, it was tartan. It was called tartan. And I ran on that. I dropped two-tenths of a second off my 100 time. Two-tenths of a second. First time I ever ran on tartan. So those surfaces, those old, you know, those old loose surfaces were hard to run. We'd run on those. And there was a track and field meet I ran. I was involved in five, five separate events. About the time you get done warming up, you get called to an event, then you get called to another, then you get warm up, and then you call to another event, and never stop for several hours. You're, you're going here, hither, and yon, all doing all those things. Things like the long jump. How many of you ever did the long jump? The long jump, yes, sir. You can't just do that unless you, one jump, you beat everybody. You got to jump. You got, you got your prelims, and you got your finals, and so you're going to take four or five jumps, and maybe more, and so you're doing that, and then they call for the hundred, and then they call for the relay, and then they, and, and you're all over the place. And I, I got to tell you, I was walking on those cinders for my last race as the sun was just getting ready to, <laughs> to go low in the sky, and I thought to myself, oh, I don't know if I can, if I can bring myself to it. And I, I might have said that. I don't know if I can bring myself to do this. My coach said, bring yourself over. He didn't say those words, but bring yourself over here. Get down. Get in those blocks. Get in those blocks. And he got down and he talked in my ear. He, I mean, like a, like a training instructor in the military. You know what I'm talking about. He got down and he talked in my ear. And he didn't say something sweet like, you are the finest. You are the best. He said, if you don't absolutely tear up this entire field, you'll be running laps until the sun comes up tomorrow. You say, that's a threat. No, that was a promise. I brought myself to those blocks. I put myself in those starting blocks. I got up in the position. I was anticipating the starter's gun going off. When that starter's gun went, up, went off, I was on the inside of that track. It was, it was a long race around the curve of the track. And so I could look up and I could see all seven of the other racers and I ate the first one up. That means I was ahead of him. I ate him up in about the first two strides. And then I got the second and the third and the fourth. And when we hit the straightaway, I was about eight yards ahead. And you say, that's because you were so fast. No. That was because you were so fresh. No. That was because I was so frightened of that coach, what he was going to do to me if I didn't eat all of those guys and beat all of those guys. And I did. I brought myself. I didn't feel like it, but I brought myself to it. I brought myself to it. How wonderful it is that we know that there is a place we can bring ourselves to and give ourselves completely to Jesus. He's not going to shout in our ear. He's not going to threaten us. He's going to strengthen us. He's going to give us His grace. It's going to flow through us. We're going to be able to go on, but we have to come to Him. If you'll just come to Jesus, if you'll come to Jesus, He'll give you everything you need. He'll do through you everything that you need. You won't have to drag yourself anywhere. Praise the Lord for that presentation. Number two, I want to show a practice. This is the practice of presenting your bodies a living sacrifice. Huh. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. 
the practice is this. There's a cost attached to what we do for Jesus. What He did for us cost Him everything. What we do for Him means we lay aside our will. And we say, not my will, but thine be done. That means we don't make our choices and our decisions anymore. He makes those choices. This is reasonable service to God. We lay ourselves on the altar and we say, Lord, you take charge. Wherever you lead me, I know that you're going to also provide. You're going to lead me, you're going to feed me. You're going to provide for me, you're going to protect me. I know that. Sacrificial service is reasonable service. Stop complaining. Stop whining. Stop bellyaching about the fact that it's so hard to be a Christian. You didn't do anything. I didn't do anything to get Christianity. And now He provides all the grace that's necessary for us to live it out on the venues that I mentioned previously. Number three, here's a prohibition. Be not, be not conformed to this world. We must not be shaped like the world wants to form us. The world wants you to think a certain way. The world wants you to talk a certain way. The world wants you to dress a certain way. The world wants you to, to behave and live and act according to whatever they say is the way to be and to act. Wrong. Wrong. We don't belong to the world. We don't belong to the devil anymore. We don't belong to ourselves. We're bought with a price. We've been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so that, has, that transaction has already taken place. This sinful world system is not interested in your benefit. The devil doesn't care how well you do. We don't belong to them. They don't belong to us. All the world, the flesh, and the devil do is use us. And they will use and use and use and use and use a young person until they're old and used up. There's a prohibition. And that prohibition is exactly what it says. Be not. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't be like the world wants you to be. Don't be like the devil. Don't be like your flesh wants to be. You say no. You learn to say no. One of the worst things that you can do to your children is to raise them in an atmosphere where they haven't got a clue as to the difference between yes and no. There are some yes things, aren't there? And there are some no things. Some yes choices and some no choices. Absolutely. Don't worry about it. You won't bend their little character, their little frame, in the wrong way. I was brought up in an atmosphere of knowing where the boundaries were. Thank God for my parents now in heaven. They never wrote a book about it. They just followed the book about it. They raised me to love God and to hate sin. They raised me to understand that when I got all full of myself, that's nothing. That's zero. And the only thing that's going to count is what we do for Jesus Christ. And I learned from my dad and my mom, you never quit, you never stop, you just keep on going for Jesus. You put one foot in front of the other and never, 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 never stop. Never quit. May God give us wisdom to know which hill to die on. But until then, keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. 
so that Jesus can say, well done. You did it. That's past tense. You got it done. You did it. You lived out the life I gave you. You fulfilled the plan that I ordained. You did exactly what I laid out before you through the Word of God by the Holy Spirit. You didn't get conformed, shaped to the world system. That is a distraction. It is a waste of time. You will spin your wheels. You say, I'm going to be the richest. I'm going to be the strongest. I am going to be the best looking. I am going to be the most powerful. I'm going to be the most influential. And when you're done, there won't be anything left because it's the world, the flesh, and the devil that will have sucked the life out of you that should have been dedicated to Jesus Christ. We don't belong to them. We belong to Jesus. I'm so glad I do. I only have to answer to Him. And we do. Number four, but be ye transformed. This is powerful. This is the power, the power that renews us, that transforms us. It's a life change. I'll just quickly move through this. I'll never forget what one of my teachers taught me. He said to me, greatness, greatness, if you're going to be great for God, greatness is always wrapped up in simplicity. It's always wrapped up in humility. It's always wrapped up in transparency. And I didn't choose it this way, but the Sunday school lesson that came in order this morning was on that very subject, except you become as little children. That's what the Lord wants from us. He wants that same simplicity, humility, transparency that you see in children, that same attitude, that same spirit. That's what He wants in us. That's how we come to God. We come that way. He gives us power to be transformed. And all the complexities, all the confusion of this world, it's just going to pass by the wayside. It's all going to pass away. It's all going to burn. Thank God that what we have will last for eternity. And we stand before the Lord. We're going to present to Him gold, silver, and precious stones at the beam of judgment, representing very simply and very basically our service for God. Hopefully it won't be all hay, wooden stubble that burns up in a moment's time. But something that will last. I'm talking about simple things. I'm talking about, I'm talking about courtesy. I'm talking about honesty. I'm talking about the things that really are observable traits of Christians in this world. When you walk out these doors, we're not sinless, but we do sin less because of God and His grace. Oh, there's a fifth and last important point. Not only power that transforms us, it really changes us. But there is an ultimate performance of that which is known as the will of God. That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You get into the Word of God, your mind is transformed. You're changed from the inside out. There's that power to do that. Greatness is wrapped up in simplicity and humility and transparency. But what do we have here? I don't know, as I said. I'm not certain what all is included in good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You say, well, those are three degrees. I don't know if they're three degrees. There might be three million degrees. I don't know. But I know the perfect will of God is one degree. That's it. And that's what I want. That's what we should be desiring and striving for. I want the perfect will of God. I don't want anything else. 
I don't want anything come masquerading, pretending to be something other than God's perfect will. You say, well, it, it's a good thing to have a job and keep a job. I just said that. But it should be the job that God wants you to work at. It's a good thing to be married and have a family, yes, but it should be the one God wants you to marry. And, and uh, you should be living where God wants you to live. And you should be doing what God leads you to do. That's it. So I don't know about these levels, but I know this. There's God's perfect will and then there's everything that's not. And everything that's not is not His perfect will. That's not profound, but it is simple. God's best, whatever it is, will only be perceived when we have totally yielded to the direction of God in our life. The perfect will of God will only be understood. You'll only be able to say, I'm in the perfect will of God. When you have given up all the rest and allowed the Lord to lead. And so let's simplify it. Do you want God's best? Do you want to please Him? Is that your sole desire? We go on by God's grace. He'll allow us to be in His perfect will and to do His perfect will. There are so many things I would like to say. You say, I... I just, I don't know if I can do God's perfect will. It's progressive. Remember what Dr. Hancock said. When the widow of a missionary came home, her husband having suffered long and finally dying, said that she was in the will of God. Foreign mission work was God's desire. I ministered to my husband when he was sick on his bed. I ministered to those all around me, wherever I was, under whatever conditions. And then when my husband died and we laid all that we could to rest on that foreign missionary uh, soil, under that soil, in that burial plot, I came home. And I thought, I'm not a foreign missionary anymore. But I'm a home missionary. Wherever I am. And in that sense, wherever we are, we can be in the perfect will of God. Whatever it is at that moment, wherever we find ourselves, under whatever conditions, do not think that because your conditions and circumstances have changed that you cannot be in the perfect will of God. You can be in the perfect will of God by yielding, and you can yield right now. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Every head bowed, every eye closed, and nobody looking. And how many of you today would say, Preacher, something and that message spoke to my heart. Slip your hand up high. Yes, amen. Amen. God's not through with you. God's got something great for you. How many young people here today say, Preacher, I've taken the first step. I've come to Jesus Christ. I've been saved the Bible way. Just young people now. If you're a young person and you've been saved the Bible way and you know it, Raise your hand up high so a preacher can see it. Come on, put your hand up high. If you're a young person, you've been saved. All right, put your hands down. Thank God for all of you. If you're young and you haven't been saved, right now is the best time of your life to give your heart to God. Let Jesus Christ have His way. Would you pray right now? Something like this. Pray silently. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. Right now I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins 
and take me to heaven when I die. Jesus is born.